This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show, because of course it's Friday and we're on air. So there you go. We've all sorted that one out. Glad we have. Uh, I am of course Stamford Chidge and I have with me as always the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Oh Chidge, can't you find another adjective? I've run out of superlatives to describe oh, you mate. I'm just doing, know, I'm doing just, the rounds now. I was fishing. Thanks very much. Thank you Chidge. Lovely. Lovely too to be on the show as always in a in a very interesting week for the mm. Blues. Yes, it is. I mean, it was. I liked your fan bite as I always did. Um, no doubt we'll be mentioning things from that in a minute or two. But who have we got on the show tonight, J.K.? Well, we just have uh, um, that um, that rather lyrical, uh, um, uh, very very beautifully opinionated uh, American related um, master of uh, Instagram and. Um, also uh, doubling up on uh, on the King's Meadow uh, podcast, uh, it's the um, the lubricant, the lub- lubricant in our uh, misfiring engine. It's Dean Whittle. <laughs> I like that. Every, everything but handsome. Like that. Well, no, no, no. I said it. Well, funny. I said you were handsome off air, didn't I? I said you were looking yeah. like Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> you were, yeah. I should have mentioned that now. Yeah, looking like Buzz Lightyear. Day Whittle, the new Buzz Lightyear, by the way, the one, the one, Toy Story Five. Yeah, look yeah, it up. You. It's a very good promo. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Evening, everyone. Good to see you, Dane, as always. And uh, who have, who's our resident journalist tonight, uh, uh, JK? Oh, some some ne'er do well. Um, <laughs> it's um, uh, it, it's the completely excellent uh, um, straight out of Codum. 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 That was good, wasn't it? Straight out of Codum. That's that started it well, didn't it? Um, the, uh, the 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 terrific uh, Liam Toomey, who wrote a. a an excellent article today in the athletic which uh, i would advise everybody to peruse because it's uh it, it's um in an in in-depth analysis of the misfiring blues it's which no doubt we will be talking about mm. hello liam for all i know i might call it straight out codden when i hosted this week <laughs> I, I can't even remember 
Liam, <laughs> it's really, really good to see you. It's been way too long, my friend. Always great to have you back with your uh, brilliance, fresh straight out of the athletic, let alone uh, Cobham. And of course, well done for hosting straight out of Cobham this week. Uh, everybody tells me, I haven't listened to it yet, but everybody tells me you've done very well. Yeah, I was the. Uh, I like to think of myself as like the Roberto Di Matteo of interim. Well, you, 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 um, you been... that probably means I'll flame out incredibly <laughs> you're, quickly. You're going to be week. sacked next week. Well, that's that what, what I was means? thinking. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> After a weekend okay. in West Brom. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you fizzle out as long as you burn bright, guys. That's the that's the important thing. Absolutely, damn right, mate. Lovely to have you on board as always. Um, we're going to obviously kick off with uh, pre or reviewing uh, the. Chelsea Al Hilal match, the semi final of the FIFA Club World Cup, would you believe? Uh, we're going to have a look about that and also, you know, keep up to breast with what's going on because, of course, now we're in the Club World Cup final, which is tomorrow at half past four UK time. Um, we've got a real treat for you in part two. We've got, got opposition view, obviously, but not, not one opposition view people, two opposition view people. Um, they're not really Palmeiras fans. That's the only downside on it. But the one of them is Alex Woodhams, who is a, a you know long time listener of this show. He's written in emails to us. We heard from him the other week. And the other is uh, um, he is genuinely Brazilian. He lives in Brazil. He lives in Sao Paulo. Uh, he, he's a big Chelsea fan, and he also sports Corinthians. Uh, but he's an old mate of ours. Uh, it's Felipe Vex. Felipe spent about a year or two in London many, many years ago. And, and uh, being a Chelsea fan, he used to pop down to Putney Station to watch us record the show, sat on the benches for many years. So we got Felipe back, which is how lovely. So they're going to be giving us a bit of perspective on, on Palmeiras, certainly from the Brazilian side. And then, of course, we're going to preview it uh, ourselves in part three. But without further ado, um, if I was to say anything, JK, about that Al-Hilal match, which I actually had to... I had to record and then watch, uh, you know, I, I wasn't free until eight. So I watched it at eight, knowing what, I mean, I couldn't resist it. I mean, I sat in the car park. I can't do that, Chidge. I can't no, do that. I, no, was... I can't either. I, I had a client, uh, I had supervision until six or quarter to six. And then I had a client at half past six. And I drove to the place where I see my clients. It was a bit early. So I spent half an hour or 25 minutes in my car uh, watching the Chelsea TV watch along just to have and, and had flash score on as as well just to get an inkling of what was going on praying for grim death that we would cling on for a bloody one nil victory against a bunch of people from saudi arabia what is going on jk there's a pattern isn't there chidge aren't we are we getting this pattern the same thing of clinging on clinging on against plymouth yeah clinging clinging on against teams that we should be uh completely putting to the sword um just not, uh, not really getting it together. I mean, is I, it? I said getting the goal. It's, it's the getting the goal, Chidge. Yeah, I find I just know. edging ahead and then having to cope I with know. the opposition. Um, some of them motoring and running the game in a way that should have never happened. Should have been put out of the way ages and ages ago. There were even seeds of this in um, in the Chesterfield game. You know, the inability to play well and. Uh, um, and I have to say that Liam so beautifully um, expressed it, the lack of creativity. Well, I, was... said, I said it was like deja vu all over again because well, it, it yes. was the same match. We watched. It's like we're stuck in Groundhog Day. Maybe we're, we're Poughkeepsie yeah. Phil or something and we're just stuck in this awful time loop of Chelsea dominating sides but missing chance after chance after flaming <laughs> chance. It's doing my head in, JK. Uh, well, you, you and me both. I mean, I'm... Uh, you know, I'd love to. I'd love to have an answer at the moment, though they appear to be um, 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 
obsessed with trying to get the the £97 million player to score. Well, he, and, did, he uh, did score, to be fair, didn't well, he? Yeah, but, well, he belted the ball in from two yards or even a yard away, and I thought, surely he must be offside. Surely he's been offside a lot already in the game, surely. But, no, it had bounced beautifully off the uh, the poor Halal player, who, uh, of course, only managed one shot on goal in the whole of the first half, and that was in the 45th minute. And, uh, and yet um, got stronger and stronger as the game went on. I mean, there was a theory that... Um, uh, taking Jorginho off was a was an error that because he was in fact uh, uh, preventing um, uh, a lot in midfield. He was actually being quite um, uh, competitive and disruptive. But uh, I find that quite difficult to, to to point out myself. Really, I don't quite know why he made the change. Um, but it, I mean, it all it all stems to the complete lack of uh, um, uh, how can you put it. Um, not tenacity around the goal, just precision, as Tuchel always says. We just can't seem to get the ball in the net. No, we can't. Um, Dane, I mean, you know, Lukaku did score. As I said in the notes, Lukaku scored but dot, dot, dot. Um, I think JK described him as having less uh, less turning circle than a mobility scooter. I did. In his fan bite. Um, and, and, you know, and I said last week that he looks like a player who's playing in boots that are 10 sizes too big. You know, so he still. I mean, I thought he did better, to be fair, but it's still not. You know what? What we kind of expect of a world-class striker is well, a ninety-seven million pound yeah, striker. Yeah. I keep going on about this, and of course, he did a he did an interesting. Um, uh, was it an Instagram, Liam? He did today a little bit of uh, that rather. Uh, it was on his Snapchat. On his, Snapchat. his public Snapchat account, and it's one of those things that you know footballers post every now and then. One of those sort of cryptic quotes. That could be could be just sort of new age life advice, <laughs> or it, or it could be a, like a direct reference to something going on in their own life. And I didn't think there was any issue in and of itself with the post. It's more just posting something like that. Um, I'll read you the quote actually. It's, it's, it's silly talking in the abstract about this. It was just a um, some text against a black background, which was if you have to force it, then it probably doesn't fit. Now that could apply to oh, absolutely yeah. anything, or it could be, or, or it could be absolutely <laughs> nothing at all. You know, um, it's it's incredibly vague by design, you would think, but it's just the general context, isn't it? The situation, the timing, the timing of Chelsea, it as well, the timing, the timing of it. You know, he's trying to sort of re, he's trying to, you know, re-establish himself, get himself back into the good good graces of his coach of some of his teammates of certainly of the Chelsea fans um, and it doesn't look like a, a clean fit on the pitch at the moment um, so you know even if it has absolutely nothing to do with Chelsea which there's a very decent chance that it does have nothing to do with Chelsea I just fit it, it's maybe another sign of Lukaku being a little bit sort of tone deaf well, um, PR wise no no hang on a minute JK just don't just don't post things like this yeah, no self-awareness whatsoever is what I would say, and I'm speaking professionally here. Um, Dane, you know, L- Lukaku is still Lukaku. I thought Kai was all right. I thought it was good to see him come back. Um, but um, it, I, it it's just so frustrating, isn't it, to see Chelsea, you know, not putting teams away and then making me have almost five heart attacks in the second half. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's becoming too regular, isn't it? Uh you know, I put in our WhatsApp group at half time what uh, ex Chelsea lady, Chelsea women's footballer Claire Rafferty said. You know, 
we're uh, too reactive and nowhere near proactive. Uh, you know, we've we've obviously all played a standard of football in our time, and you know, we'd put the ball into the box and fly it in there, and we thought well, that's the job done. You know, someone else do it. Sometimes, you know, you, you look at the movement and it's it's just not there. Uh, Lukaku looked better once he scored. But like JK keeps on repeating, is it the form of a 97 million Sorry. pound man? No. Uh, you think how how enthusiastic we all were after the second half performance against Villa? And then he had to go and open his bloody mouth, didn't he? And it just seems like then he's either sulking because he d- does not like the reaction or he's just struggling to fit in or he does actually want to go. It's 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 not perfect and it's... It's a shame that we haven't got any forwards who are really stepping up to the plate. They're, they're pretty playing all pretty average, aren't they? It's Havertz did okay, and ideally, well, would they go with Havertz as the front man oh, now? I think they're going to put all their all their all, everything on Lukaku and try and make it work. But well, it's, I mean, Tuchel's said that he, he he thinks that he should try and play these players. He's been on record as saying he should try and play them into form. I mean, Liam, you know, you did write an excellent piece. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, you mentioned it absolutely correctly that it's not just a Lukaku problem. It's the entire uh, striking department of Chelsea that are failing to score. But it's not necessarily all of their doing. I mean, before you tell us a little bit about that, because it was fascinating reading, I would add, you know, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, who is somebody I would certainly listen to about strikers and scoring goals. I've heard him say it before on Sky and he said it again on Channel 4. He doesn't think that Lukaku's fit. And I, I mean, watching him play, I would agree with that. He looks about a yard off the pace as well. And I don't think that can be helping either. Yeah, that, I mean, that could be the case. Um, it's, it's hard to know from the outside. But um, they, there could be a physical element to all this. You know, we have, there have been suggestions in the past that, you know, Lukaku maybe takes a little bit longer to get up and running into peak physical condition than... Um, than, than other footballers. And, and when he was playing for Conte, we all know Conte's approach to nutrition and diet. You know, he, he's about as strict as they come. Um, so I think anywhere that Lukaku would have gone next would have been slightly more lax. You know, things are very professional at Chelsea, but I think Tuchel tends to, you know, give the players a little bit more responsibility for, for looking after themselves. But it, like I said, this is kind of, on the physical side of things, it's kind of all speculation trying to read into body language. Um so it's quite difficult to say for certain whether there's a physical issue with Lukaku. He's certainly played enough football recently to be, you know, physically sharp now. But I, I mean, uh, I'm not, I'm not, not, not necessarily. I mean, I agree. I know what you're saying, and I mean, he doesn't look sharp, and there's no doubt about that. But I'm wondering if actually that ankle injury was more serious than we thought, or or did more damage than he thought, because he's just slow off the mark, and that. That's not the Lukaku I know. And I mean, you know, we all know enough about physiology to know that your ankles are really important in helping you launch off. So I'm wondering if that might be an issue. Well, I don't think... I think, if anything, Chelsea were quite cautious um, in in the sort of time frame of his recovery. I think his, I think the injury was like four to five weeks, but he he didn't play for longer than that. And Tuchel was really kind of easing him back into the team, building up his minutes quite slowly at the start. And I think that was that was a, a little bit of a source of frustration for Lukaku, who felt that maybe he was a bit more ready than than either he actually was or or certainly how Chelsea, you know, felt he was. Um 
but it, it does seem that they were they were more on the cautious side. So I'd be a bit surprised if if the injury itself was was still affecting him. It I think I think sometimes a lack of confidence can look like physical issues as well. Yeah. Um, because you don't necessarily make runs you normally make. You aren't quite as coordinated as you usually are. You start thinking about things you don't normally think about on the pitch, you know, things that are usually just muscle memory when when you're not feeling in your best rhythm suddenly uh, require a bit more effort and a bit harder to pull off. And that when I watched Lukaku against Al Halal, um, I did feel that you know I, I I didn't think his his body language was was terrible. You know there was there was a, a bit of frustration that teammates wayward passes and and not playing the ball at the right time for him, but that's kind of been a recurring theme. I I, I did think he was he was trying things for 90 odd minutes he was moving into different areas and trying to show for the ball um he just wasn't on the same wavelength as his teammates quite most of the time which again we've has been a a constant really of his Chelsea career so far um and even the goals as you guys detailed had a had a bit of an element of fortune to it you know, with any luck, the goal itself, the act of scoring, belting the ball into the net from two yards, might help him a little bit psychologically. And I, I do think, in general, I made this point on, our, on straight out common as well. I do think that Havertz, the attack looks better with Havertz in it, regardless of who who's playing with him. Um, and it's not always because of you know him scoring or directly assisting. I just think he's a He's a very high IQ footballer. Um, his his movement is very smart, and he often makes runs that create space and opportunities for others. Um, and I felt he did that again against Al Halal, at least while Chelsea were kind of you know on top, which was for most of the first half. Uh, I'd like to see a bit more of Havertz with Lukaku because that was only their second start together um, since September. You know, the other one was the the first leg of the Spurs game where Havertz looked really good alongside Lukaku, I thought, in that 4-2-2-2 and then broke his finger before half-time and, and, and we haven't seen it since. So I'd like to see those two together a bit more because I think they have the makings of quite a nice partnership. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that entirely, actually. That's a really good point. Um, the other thing I was going to say just generally about it was... Uh, I just thought the whole team looked a bit leggy. I don't think it was any coincidence that they kind of faded in the second half. And I mean, let's face it. And I, I said this on Monday. I said 120 minutes against Plymouth is not going to do us any favours this week. And uh, and of course, they had to travel. There's travelling time to Abu Dhabi. And then, of course, it's a it's a very, you know, it's, a, it's much hotter and all the rest of it. So I wondered if, you know, acclimatisation might have been an issue too, Liam, for what looked like a bit of a leggy performance. Yeah, I mean, it did feel like they were, they were a bit gassed after about 60 minutes. Um, and Al Hilal, despite having only played two days before, looked kind of fresh as daisies and coming on really strong in the in the closing stages. They tried to minimise the, the acclimatisation issue by flying out the evening um, of the Plymouth win. But as you say, you know, playing 120 minutes was not something they would have budgeted for. Um so, yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, obviously before that, they really did need to break, didn't they? They looked very, very tired um, and, and Tuchel gave them some time off and they, I think the February break came at a very good time for them. But that, 
there could just be a little bit of mental fatigue as well. They don't look like a team that are really enjoying themselves at the moment. Uh, and I don't, I don't know exactly what you do to get out of that. I know, I know when Tuchel first came in, like you know, last year in January, he there were a lot of these little quirky training drills and exercises, and he was mixing things up to try and make it feel a little bit more fun. And of course, a new a new coach's methods always have a bit of novelty to them, and you know, you're unlikely to get boredom from players when they get in, when they first have a new coach in. Maybe after a year, it's a bit different, but. Um, I think they, they do need to find something just to kind of freshen their minds as well as their bodies for, for this final stretch. Yeah, definitely. Two, two things, Liam. I, I was in, read a couple of, of journalists, um, a couple of newspaper articles saying they thought we were nervous. Did you get that impression from watching? I didn't think they were the kind of players that they've had such experience and they've won, won the Champions League, goodness sake, getting nervous in a game and that the nerves got the better of them in the, in the second half. I was quite surprised well, that that would be something you would be you would be uh, putting on this current Chelsea side. I think that I think those reports came directly from something Zolt Lowe said in the post-match press conference because he he uh, said he'd spoken to Tuchel at half time, and Tuchel had told him that he felt Chelsea looked a bit nervous in the first half, um, which is a, quite strange because the first half was their better half. <laughs> Definitely, it usually is under Tuchel. Actually, they they generally start at quite a good intent and then fade when they haven't put the game away. Yes, yes. And, and um, uh, the other thing was, was do you think that um, the, there's an imbalance been created in the squad by Lukaku? Because his big thing is keeping the spirit of the, of the side going, uh, which he's mentioned in several press conferences. And that's why he didn't want to make any purchases uh, 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 in the transfer window, because he didn't want to disrupt what they had as to whether in fact this is slightly more serious with the the team having to alter the way it's playing um uh, and whether he's a slightly disruptive influence well I, I i don't get the sense that he's a he's a disruptive personality day to day you know though aside from that sky italia interview yeah. <laughs> i don't i don't get the sense that he's been um you know causing problems for for Tuchel or or for his teammates at Cobham on a on a day to day basis. I mean, early in the season, Tuchel was really you know praising him for for the personality that he brought to the squad, and, and he was saying he was already having a big big a big positive influence in the dressing room. Um, that feels a long time ago now, but you know he I don't, I don't get the sense he's a troublemaker, but certainly from a football perspective. It's been disruptive because the the identity that Chelsea have, you know, that won Chelsea the Champions League last year Absolutely. has necessarily had to change when Lukaku is in the team. Um, he's not; he doesn't really fit the pressing identity that Chelsea had. Um, he 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 likes transition, where Chelsea are a high possession team, um, and he's maybe a little bit more static as a focal point than. You know, someone like Havertz or Werner when Chelsea are up against the deep line defence. So, but Chelsea knew all of these things, and Tuchel knew all of these things when they signed Lukaku. They were, yes. they went into it with their with their eyes open, eyes open. And, and their yeah, their thought process at the time was that okay, we've won the Champions League, but if we want to reach the consistent level that Manchester City and Liverpool have reached in recent years at both ends of the pitch, we need to evolve. And and the clearest area that 
we need to upgrade is goal scoring. Um, you know, that, that was what my, my most recent piece in the athletic was about was that Chelsea is still searching for that. Um, they're still searching for a way to become an attack on par with, with Liverpool and City. And that's really hard because City and Liverpool are averaging two expected goals a game, which is, I think if you looked back at the history of the Premier League, that, that's pretty absurd. Like they, they've raised the bar for excellence. Um, we're we're and, 21st, and aren't we? Didn't you say in your article? Across, across Europe's big five leagues, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, in, in the context of things, it, it's all relative. Chelsea are a good attacking team. They're, they are a good attacking team. They, and they're, they're good enough to win a lot more games than they lose. But for the money they've spent, the talent they've got, they should be a great attacking team. They should be one of the very best attacking teams in Europe. And that's the one big frontier for Tuchel um, left to conquer because, the, you know, the, the piece I wrote was kind of hinged on these really interesting um, visualising possession graphics that our analytics guru, John Muller, put together for another piece. Um, and they showed really clearly that Chelsea control games with the ball at a similar level to Liverpool and City. You know, they, it's not just that they have a similar level of possession, it's the areas they have possession. Um, they basically dominate in virtually every area of the pitch. And they're the only three teams in the Premier League that do that. Um, so in terms of control, and obviously we know Chelsea are elite defensively. So in terms of defending and controlling opponents, Chelsea are already at the level they need to be. Tuchel's already achieved that. But in attack, they are a clear level below um, Liverpool and City. And it's not because they're not ruthless enough, even if it can occasionally look that way. They're actually overperforming their expected goals this season by quite a lot, by six goals in the Premier League. Um, they just don't create as many chances. They, they, they don't create as much. They don't progress the ball as much. They don't get the ball into the final third as often, into the penalty box as often. And all of these numbers kind of, they, they add up to an overall picture, which is that the balance of Chelsea's possession is a bit more skewed towards their defence, which maybe you can put down to having a back three and wing backs, um, and a little bit, a little bit less skewed towards you know possession high up the pitch. You would you would say at the feet of Chelsea's most dangerous attacking players. Um, so I think there there are bigger issues. I, I know Lukaku is the focus of Chelsea's attacking problems right now, and. You know, it's easy to see why, because he's personally struggling and he's not helped himself with the things that he said off the pitch. But Chelsea were having attacking problems under Tuchel last year with this system, and they're continuing to have attacking problems, all of them. Um, and, and it's a collective kind of structural issue that Tuchel needs to address. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point you make there, actually, Liam. It's not This is not necessarily new. I mean... What one bright spot on the, uh, the the horizon, Dane, is that Kepper was again. I mean, he didn't have an awful lot to do, to be fair. But when he did have to do something, he did it brilliantly. Um, and of course, Mendy or Mondi, as J.K. will correct me if I'm not careful, uh, he's now back having won the the Afcon, so that's brilliant for him. Um, it kind of begs a question, doesn't it? Who starts on Sunday on Saturday for you? Is it Kepper or Mondi? Uh, I'd say Kepper. But it all depends on how he is viewed behind the scenes by Tuchel and the coaches. If he is, you know, obviously a lot goes on that we don't know about. If he is seen as the number two, viewed as the number two, then Mendy's coming straight in. There's nothing he can really do. 
But if he's if he's just deemed on on form, and you know it's it's been a case of of, of getting him you know up to a level that they wanted. You know we we all saw his struggles, we all questioned him. He looks like a completely different keeper. So whatever they've done behind the scenes has worked, and I think on merit he deserves to play. He's been outstanding. Apart from it's been harsh, you know, one little giveaway. I think in the in the in the first or second leg against Tottenham where he, where he sort of gave a, a pass away. Apart from that, he's been absolutely outstanding. That save, that was like yeah. catesque, that save. Uh, well, he, the other he, night. his arms, I mean, you know, one of the things we used to really criticise him for was, was calling him smoke hands, wasn't it? Or short <laughs> arms. And and actually, I wondered when I saw him save that, Dane, whether he's been doing a lot of strengthening work on his forearms and his wrists, because that was a one-handed save, which he he... he could put that ball miles away from danger it was a brilliant save last season you know to hit his hand and it would have just gone straight yes. in yeah and it's moments like that that it just shows you i know i don't know if it was liam or, or adam someone did a piece recently saying that they would listen to offers to him in the summer and his performances like that will have more people you know circling but i think on merit and performances he deserves to start but if he's seemed as number two if he's deemed a number two then i think mendy will go straight back in yeah that's a good point um the best news i've heard uh since i found my wedding ring today uh was the fact that uh, i lost it if in case you were wondering nothing nothing sinister implied uh but i got home and farting about doing a bit of work doing this script funny enough and i and i've done the script of course as one does and then i re- and then i went on twitter for a bit of a mooch and I find that Thomas Tuchel is in Abu Dhabi, Liam. Um, I have to say, mate, I, I, I think the last two games have really uh, shown how much we miss Tuchel on that touchline, kicking the players up the arse and making them do what they're supposed to do. Um, how crucial do you think it's going to be that Tuchel has managed to find his, find his way to Abu Dhabi for the match tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, it's quite funny because we, I mean... Simon and I reported in a piece a couple of weeks ago, which was kind of aggregated and people ran with it, was that some of Chelsea's attackers, um, you know, aren't particularly happy with the way Tuchel talks to them in games or in training. Um, <laughs> but you could say that you could say that the evidence of the last two games suggests that his haranguing presence on the touchline is, is maybe necessary at times um, just to wake a few people up because, yeah, I, I mean, I was at the Plymouth game. I'm obviously Simon's out in Abu Dhabi, but I can, you know, I was sat right behind the home dugout for, for the Plymouth game and it was Arno Mikel standing up. Uh, he looked, he looked slightly awkward to be the man standing up in the technical area. You could tell he doesn't usually do it. And he was kind of shouting at players, sort of trying to shout in, shout instructions at players but it, it certainly wasn't um certainly wasn't as forceful shall we say as as Tuchel usually communicates from from that area uh and he, and he wasn't there 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 wasn't really the same demonstrative presence at all um so we'll see you never know you know players react to it in different ways but i think over the course of his tenure Tuchel has at least been pretty good at getting a good level of intensity into Chelsea's performances. You know, they don't often start games asleep. Um, they, I, the pattern I've I, I've noticed is that they they start really well. They either don't score or they don't score enough. And then um, when when the intensity starts to drop, uh, it's partly because you know they, they've lost a bit of confidence because they've missed a few chances or or not put the game away. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think it can only it should only be a plus that, that Tuchel's made it to, to Abu Dhabi. I must admit, I wasn't expecting him to because he tests positive for COVID on a PCR test. You know, you could test positive ten days later. It's 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 uh, it's just one of those things. But he, yeah, it looks like Chelsea have gotten lucky with the timings and and they 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 might need him against Palmeiras because I think it's going to be another step up certainly from Al Hilal. Yeah, definitely is well. Uh, that I think is absolutely bang on, as you are always, Liam. It's such a it's such a delight to have you back on. We miss you when you're not on. So uh, thank you so much for coming along. And I think we're going to see you in a in a couple of weeks' time or something. So I look forward to that and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow, Liam. And thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. Pleasure to be back, and I'll speak to you soon. You Good will stuff. indeed. You take care. Right. There we go. The wonderful Liam Toomey from the Athletic there. And as I said, we haven't seen him for ages, which is very remiss of me. Uh, but we'll, I know we're having him back on in a few weeks' time. Now, before we go to a break, uh, we're going to um, have uh, a wonderful double header for the opposition view. We've got Felipe Vex and Alex Woodham's coming on. Uh, but before that, uh, a quick shout out for football prizes. Yes, this week's at football underscore prizes on Twitter uh, or footballprizes.com competition is the chance to win a Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank signed and framed Chelsea shirt. Absolutely. Now, the tickets are really quite cheap, actually, this week. The tickets are £2.95 each. You can buy as many as you want. I think there are 99 up for grabs. They haven't sold that many yet. So if you get in now, uh, you will uh, you will get lucky, hopefully. Uh, now, the draw ends at 7.30pm on Monday, the 14th of February. So this coming Monday. So get get a slice of that if you want to have a, a chance of winning a signed, Jimmy, a signed and framed Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Chelsea shirt and uh, I will put this up on Twitter later I promise so just make it easy for you but uh, the uh, the address on the website is footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash hassle bank which they've spelt wrong by the way hassle they've spelt h-a-s-s-l-e b-a-i-n-k northerners anyway uh, we'll be back in a very short time away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. 
There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, in our little preview show of a Friday uh, with the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Ruff. What? Ruff. Ruff. You've turned into a dog, have you? Okay, fair enough. Uh, I think the next chap, Dane Whittle, is most definitely human. Good to see you. Meow. Oh, my God. I don't know why I bother. I'm just going to drink more Guinness and go to sleep or something. Anyway, I, I'm not going to do that because, actually, this is the part of the show that I really, really look forward to. And, actually, more especially today, it's now time for this. The Opposition View. That's right. We've got our Opposition View, but a slight kind of twist to the Opposition View this week because we've got not, not one, uh, we've got two people on here. And the, the hilarious thing is neither of them are Palmeiras fans. Uh, but they both live in Brazil. Uh, one is a Brazilian and uh, one is a, an expat Brit. But uh, you want to you know about Palmeiras? Chidge delivers. So I've got two people to talk about it. And uh, in no particular order, it's a ma- actually it's a, a massive warm welcome back to Felipe, who, we've, uh, who we used to have sitting on the benches years and years ago when we were in Putney Station. And it's lovely to see you again, my friend. How are you? I'm great. It's, it's perfect to be back and talking about the... Even incarnate of Palmeiras because we're gonna win tomorrow, and we're gonna keep the joke about Palmeiras have, haven't won the World Cup. Yes, I know. Well, I know as a Corinthians yeah. fan, I know that I, one thing I have found out, Felipe, is that Corinthians and Palmeiras really do not like each other. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Uh, we've also got uh, a, a, another chap who's been a long time listener of the show. We, we heard from him a few weeks ago. She sent us an email. Uh, I've not met him before, but it's lovely to meet you, Alex. Boa noite, galera. <laughs> How are we doing? I'm all right, mate. I'm very well. I'm very pleased to see you too. And, uh, you know, thanks for all of your support over the years and for saying on that email, mate, if you want anybody to talk about the Palmeiras game, I'm your man. And uh, it was really yeah. funny because we were emailing all week and we were saying, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. We've got to beat our Hilal first. And the minute we won, I, I, I pinged you a message saying, we're on, Alex. We're on. So there we go. And here you are. Right. Um. It's a, I mean, you know, I, I've got to say, I get a bit misty-eyed when we, we play Brazilian teams because I don't know, I grew up just absolutely loving Brazilian football. But, um, you know, Felipe, give us a bit of a clue about the history of Palmeiras. And, you know, I think, you know, particularly famous players. And, and, I, and I'm desperately wanting to know from you particularly, actually, because I know you, I mean, Alex is bona fide Chelsea you know, you, uh, you you have skin in this game because the Corinthians fans, as I said, they hate Palmeiras. So tell me about the rivalry and the history and some of the famous players that have played for Palmeiras. Yeah, Corinthians and Palmeiras are the biggest derby in Brazil. Like, well, one of the biggest, but in Sao Paulo, it's the biggest rivalry. And we totally hate each other, like Palmeiras. And they all always won against Corinthians, but um, in the previous years, like, since 2017, Corinthians had the edge above him. Like them, they, 
we beat them so much. Like um, they, we had great derbies in the nineties as well. And Palmeiras is a club that most won the league in Brazil. Well, it's it's kind of weird here in Brazil because the league officially started as in the but um, before there had a few championships and they are considered Brazilian leagues, but um, it's kind of shaky because Palmeiras won the league two times in the same year. It's like, it's completely nonsense, you know what I mean? And with Palmeiras, you always have to do the math about, about the titles because they're, they're like the Boris Johnson of football, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they lie a lot, yeah? Yeah, they, yeah, lie, they a lie a lot. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, it's Bolsonaro's team as well. I mean, I'm just going to bring in a, a, a slightly different perspective. I mean, how, how long have you been in Brazil, Alex? I've been here four years now. Right, okay. So uh, I'm, actually, I'm actually in the south of Brazil. So a lot of my friends are Internacional fans. Internacional or Gremio. And that's another big derby here. But you do see, even in the south down here, you do see the Palmeiras Sharks going around. You know, they're one of the big clubs in Brazil. You've got Flamengo, Palmeiras, Corinthians as well. Uh, they're like the, the big like national clubs, the Man Uniteds, where you see them down Brighton Seafront uh, in a Man United shirt. Um, you do see the Palmeiras shirts here. So they are a very well-supported club in Brazil, you know. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. So it's nice to get a different perspective as well. I mean, from what I, I recall, I've done a bit of research. And actually, by the way, people, Felipe messaged me on Twitter to say, I'd, I'd, I'd got it wrong. But actually, Felipe, it wasn't me that got it wrong. It was wherever I nicked it from, which was probably um, foot flash, foot, uh, flash School. That's where I'd nick all of my stuff from. Or, or Rick, Chelsea. I'm, I'm not going to be horrible about Rick, though, because I love him. Now, this is my list of notable, famous Palmeiras uh, players. If you have any more, shout, OK? But I've got the, what I noticed. Cafu was played for Palmeiras. Edgy Mundo. Now, Edgy Mundo, or sorry, Ed Mundo, I mean, I remember I made a documentary on football many years ago and I did a five-minute piece on Edmondo as one of the world's most nutty, mad players. And, uh, I mean, he got a monkey drunk. He started a riot in a stadium. The guy's completely nuts, although, as well as being a very, very good number nine. So Edmondo played for Palmeiras. Uh, Janino, little Janino, who we beat in the uh, FA Cup final. Rivaldo, of course, who played for Barcelona against us. Roberto Carlos. Blimey. Rocky Jr. I like him for his name more than how good he was. I think he played for Blackburn or something. Anyway. Doesn't Roberto Carlos sell himself now to play for teams? Does he? Yeah. Does yes, he? he does. So he'll play for any team that you, if you give him enough money, he'll come and play for you. Alex? 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 He, he, um, a, a Sunday league team in the UK just won him in a raffle. Yeah. He's going to go and play. <laughs> I'm going to do that with podcasts. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to put put JK out as a prize. You can win him in a raffle if you want him on your podcast. How about that? What do you reckon? If it meant I went to Brazil for a small amount of money, no, a large amount of large, money, large yeah, amount of money. Happy. Okay, yeah, there happy. we go. You'll be hearing JK on a Brazilian podcast soon, and you get a percentage. Of course, you? I get my ten percent. Uh, there we go. So where was I? Yeah, Roberto Carlos, Rocco Junior, Gabriel Jesus, the uh, uh, Man City player. This tickled me as well. Faustino Asparilla, who of course. Played for Newcastle and was absolutely bonkers as well. And a Colombian player, wasn't he? Yerry Mina, the Everton player. And what I didn't know, I mean, the only Chelsea player uh, was uh, Ramirez, right, uh, Felipe? Yeah, but Ramirez played very, very less there because he was always injured and he quit Palmeiras, very angry for the club. 
And also there was a very important player of our history that was Marcos, the goalkeeper of Brazil, when we last won the World Cup. He, he was very great, but um, his career was played with injuries. But um, And he, when, when they played Man United in 1999, he was the one that failed and Man United won because Palmeiras played better than Man United that game. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? You know, talking of, of, of Palmeiras' history, one thing I've gleaned, and you, you mentioned it actually up, up at the top, Felipe, but they, they've, they've got a massive chip, what we would say in England, a chip on their shoulder, yeah? Because they, they, they've never been crowned the club world champions. It's a massive thing in Brazil, which I'll talk to you boys about in a minute. Um, this, this is their second crack at it because they got, well, second crack at the club world cup because they were in here last year last time we they did it i think they came fourth they got beaten by man united in 99 um but they claim that they were the world champion club in 1951 in the copa rio and they complained to fifa didn't they and said we we, we should be heralded as world champions and fifa said no you can't is that right felipe yes fifa sometimes say says not then sometimes says yes it's very confusing but um it was kind of a, a friendly tournament, you know, and it wasn't made by FIFA. But um, there are there were the internet inter, oh, sorry intercontinental cups. Like um, they weren't made by FIFA, but um, many Brazilian clubs considered it as club club world cup. Like um, São Paulo won twice against Barcelona and Milan. Santos won in the sixties, and I. I and Flamengo have it in Liverpool in the 80s as well. But um, the Club World Cup started in the year 2000 in Brazil. Corinthians won because it was they were the host country. And afterwards, there were like São Paulo winning against Liverpool, Internacional against Barcelona. But um, since 2005, it's consistent, the tournament, but uh, they are going to change. So it's like this, the last chance because there's a huge gap in level in, with Brazilian football and European football. So... And there will be more clubs from Europe in the next years. So it's the final chance. Right. Final chance for so, South American club becoming champions of the world. Which, which I know. And I mean, this is the really weird thing, isn't it, Alex? It always surprises me because I've done a ton of work on this, actually, which is frightening. But uh, I mean, earlier in the week, uh, I was looking at it and I'm staggered because my, my, I don't know, you know, you're a Brit, you're out in Brazil. I mean, I grew up, you know, I was a bit too, uh, believe it or not, a bit too young to really you know, really appreciate the great 1970 Brazil side, you know. But, uh, I, I, you know, I've always kind of been interested in Brazil and South American football because it's nuts, basically. And you just kind of have this image, don't you, in your head that it's all full of flair and all of that. And I was really surprised to see, actually, that certainly in the in the Club World Cup, yeah. I mean, they've only won it four times in 20 years, uh, South American sides. And I, my, my kind of feeling as a Brit is that they've got to be better than us, surely. And But that's not really the case, is it, Alex? Well, I, I spoke to my friend the other day um, when I knew I was coming on. I said, just tell me something about Palmeiras. The first thing he said was they never won the World, they never won the World Cup. And he's an international fan, right? So they're one of the clubs here that have won it. And they wear that as a badge of honour. They, they literally will, as a Chelsea fan, when I speak to them, They'll be like, oh, yeah, Chelsea, they won the Champions League. But how many times have you won the World Cup, mate? And, I, and they laugh at me for that, you know. And I, I don't know if it comes from the fact that they're so proud of the amount of times the national team has won the International World Cup. And they kind of, you know, they, 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 they translate that, that passion for the World, World Cup to the Club World Cup. 
Um, it, it is quite um, an anomaly, really, because when I when I kind of say to them, yeah, but we don't really think about it in the UK, that it kind of it's strange for them that we don't actually appreciate it as much as they do. Um, I, I would imagine that it must come from the fact that they're so proud of their national World Cups that they then think, well, the World Cup's the best thing you can win as a national team. So the World Cup must be the best thing you can win as a club team. That's the only thing that I can yeah, Felipe. Oh, can I add a, a few few remarks? Because um, European teams have the best players. Like players in Brazil, they want to go to Europe when they are young. So all the money is in Europe. So they are, have better players, better managers, and play the better competitions. So for a Brazilian club to beat an European side, it's the ultimate glory. And for an European club like Chelsea, it's like okay, it's cool. Let's let's play, but um, it doesn't have the same the same feeling because you're not going to, going to play with the best club, you know? Can I just ask, how are William and um, and Louise doing? Why do, why, why do players want to come back to Brazil? Is it just to spend a year in there uh, um, playing for clubs that they love before they retire? Yes. So we spend a few times in, in Brazil before retiring and earning, earning a higher wage. But um, to be honest, it's just because they don't have market in Europe anymore. Like Lewis and William, they are always injured. William didn't play that much. David Lewis didn't play that much as well. So they come back after their 30s normally. Or if they flop in Europe, like, um, I don't know, Robinho, for instance, he went back to Santos many times when he was at uh, Adelaide, you know? Thank, thank goodness we never signed him because Man City oh, got him. God, we, we so nearly did. And then no, Go on, yeah, go on. You, you will hire a criminal because he's in jail. No, he's not in jail, but he was convicted by rape. So, Oh, God, I didn't know that. Awful. Yeah. I mean, it, interestingly enough, it was Scolari who, who really wanted him, wasn't it? And we got kind of gazumped by City. And, of course, Scolari uh, was the the manager that brought the first Copa Libertadores to Palmeiras, wasn't he? Yeah, they're both. Yeah, he was. was yeah. yeah, they're both nodding yeah. sagely. Now, listen, yeah. I, the, I, the lad. I don't know if the boys have seen this because this is just brilliant. I got to talk to the boys about this, and then then you two can tell me what's going on here because I thought this was absolutely Billy bonkers, right? We'd never do this in England. This is brilliant. Uh, J.K. and Dane, right? Um, apparently, okay, because all of the other uh, fans of clubs in uh, in Brazil hate Palmeiras so much or, or possibly each other I don't know this is what they've done okay they've actually they're all officially changing temporarily changing their club emblems so their badges to add Chelsea into them ahead of the weekend all right so that means we get we get Chelsea Rinthians we get Sal Chelsea Chelsea Monero and Chelsea Par- oh bloody hell I'm going to struggle with that one Paranense Chelsea Paranense Par- yeah okay what what is all that, Felipe? What is all that about? Oh, we hate Palmeiras. We want them to lose. We want to make fun of them. <laughs> I gonna if if Chelsea loses tomorrow, I gonna have to find new jokes because I always make jokes about Palmeiras in every context of my life. Okay, I mean, that's, Alex. I mean, I mean, we would. I mean, I remember. I remember. You know, when we won the Champions League in 2012. You know how I mean. Okay, it's not hard to deride Spurs, is it? Let's be honest. But there were that Spurs did a kind of uh, um, a Bayern Hotspur badges, didn't they, or something like that? They were they so wanted us to lose, but nobody else gave a shit. In fact, actually, I mean, it's it's quite common, I think, isn't it? Really, in England, that 
that uh, you kind of put away a bit of club loyalty when when uh, when an English team is up against Johnny Foreigner. Maybe it's because we're yeah. so bloody nationalistic. I don't know, but I mean, it's, it's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I talked about that rivalry earlier, but international and Gremio. I've got friends that some of them are Gremio, some of them are Inter. When those two teams are playing, they will not speak to each other. They will not have a beer together. They cannot go past the rivalry. It's so so strong. Um, it, I, yeah, it, it's 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 impress. It's, it makes an impression on you. Do you know what I mean when you see it? Because, like you say, we we are kind of a little more like. Um, we don't like Spurs, but at the end of the day, if one of our mates comes in the pub and they're a Spurs fan, we'll say a couple of jokes and then, all oh, right, what have you been up to? Sort of thing. You'll let it go. But they, they kind of, they, they won't let it go here. And uh, yeah, with this with this name and this badge thing, it's just another example of that, like just taking it to the, <laughs> I love it. the extreme. I love it. You know what I mean? I absolutely love it. Yeah, but- I love it. I really do. Felipe, go on. Yeah, but to be honest, it's only, it's only a joke. Like, no one is seriously using this badge. It's more like, oh, you want Palmeiras to lose, but um, no one is using it seriously. Okay, fair enough. Well, I, you say that. I mean, I, I had a mate who uh, was the producer of a um, a football series called The Real the Real Football Factory or something like that, and he produced the international version, and he went out to Brazil, and I, I ended up working on a production with him just after he'd come back and finished that series. And he, I mean, you know, we got on, we were good mates and we used to go out drinking quite a lot together while making programs. And the stories he told me about Brazilian football and their fans. I mean, he told me a story about, he was in, he was filming on the coach of one of the ultras traveling to a game and they were escorted by the police, right? Motorbike escort. And then they went round a bend and the escorts disappeared. And then this coach got ambushed and it was they shot that they shot the shit out of this coach. Dan was like lying on the on the floor of this coach, hoping he wasn't going to get a bullet in his ass. I mean, it was mental. I mean, that's for real. That is not. I'm not making it up. Crazy, right? I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it is crazy. It really is. But um, yeah, I, I I think that the fact that they they haven't won the Champions League. I mean, like it's like Arsenal never winning the Champions League or Spurs to a less degree, but Arsenal, because they've got to the final, you know, we always hold that over them. Yeah. And we're always like, you know, it's the equivalent of us singing Champions of Europe, you'll never win that, is what Palmeiras are getting from everyone else in Brazil all the time, like Felipe and his mates and all that, you know. Yeah, so. yeah so, so I see that. All right, let's talk a little bit about them as a team and, and the match uh, coming up on Saturday. I mean, uh, who are who are their key players, boys? Felipe. Okay, their their goalkeeper is Everton. He's from the Brazilian national team, and he could be playing for competitive sides in Europe. Like he's very good, very good goalkeeper. And he failed against uh, Ali, but um, there was an offside. But um, it's really really hard to see him fail. And they have the uh, centre back called Gustavo Gomes from Paraguay. The guys are a warrior, man. He's very good. And played for Milan. He got the other, yeah, he played for, for Milan for Palmeiras. Yeah. And he's good, but um, for the South American level, not in Europe. But um, he's going to be a very important to player that we should mind. Um, his partner, Luan, is kind of shaky. He's like, he's like the Brazilian Harry Maguire, you know? <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. He must be dreadful then. <laughs> yeah. But um, sometimes he, he can play well. And Danilo, he's central midfielder. I think Arsenal wants him. He's very good. I don't see him playing in Brazil after this year. Like, um, he's going to be in the national team after the World Cup because 
nowadays they have Casemiro, Fabinho that are really good, but um, they are getting old. So he will be in the national team. He's very good. Um, Dudu, he's a winger. He's like one of the most important players of Palmeiras history because in 2015, they started to piling titles, win so much silverware, and Dudu was very crucial. He wasn't on the previous Libertadores because he was loaned to, to the Arabian football. And that there was a controversy about um, domestic violence, that's because he went. Um, Roni, the other winger, is quite good, but um, they don't have a center forward. Like they play with uh, a false time. And sometimes Roni, sometimes Dudu. Um, let me see if there are anyone. They, they Davidson, yeah. But he's 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 crazy. That guy is completely nuts. He simulates all the time. And in the Libertadores final, he tried to simulate a foul by the referee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no job, really. Just uh, I, <laughs> so, I um, I like uh, the attacking midfielder Vega. He scored. Oh, in Vega! The, forgot Vega. Final. Yeah, he's, he was their top scorer last season as well. Sort of like um, diminutive kind of character, kind of floats into space. Maybe Mason Mount-esque, you could say, maybe. Um, yeah, like classy little player. Classy little player. Um, been around the block a few times. Um, yeah, I like him. And he's their main sort of goal threat, I think, um, that Vega guy. They've also got, he's not going to play tomorrow, but they've got um, this new wonder kid, Endrick. He's a uh, yeah. 15 years old, this kid, and he's looking at Wow. Yeah, he's yeah. not playing in the first team yet, is he? But he they're saying, oh, no. he's the new Ronaldo. So Okay. I yeah, mean so he's so, very impressive. So I mean, what's their kind of style of play? I mean, you know, how how do they play and, and, and how are they gonna hurt us tomorrow? I mean, I, I know that they're on a like, I think they've not lost in in eleven games, something like seven seven wins and four draws. They don't let many goals in, from what I can see. So they're clearly very organised. But I mean, how, how do they play? How are they going to hurt us, Felipe? Sometimes they use three, three at the back, but sometimes four at the back. Like um, Abel Ferreira, their manager, is like the Portuguese Tufio. Really, he's very. He's a guy that's always studying his adversaries, and he always changes the team to fit better for the adversary. So I think he, he will go with three at the back. Like um, Luan and Gustavo Gomez, and maybe Kusevich or Murillo. That's a signing. Um, he he probably will mimic our style, but um, without us in the form. Yeah, I would, I would imagine that they'll come out of the blocks hard early. They like to press, so they'll they'll put a lot of pressure on the back the back line. If we dilly dally on the ball like we did the other night, people like Alonso, they'll get caught. And, they, and then they will break at speed. The, th the front three that they've got will, co will come at you and come at you and come at you. So I would imagine them to, to, to come at us early. If they get an early goal, that's perfect for them because then you'll see them draw back and then we'll come onto them. And then the space is where they want it behind our, our back three. I thought that our back three was a little scared to, to push up the other night. I don't know why, whether it was because of the heat or something, but I thought Silver and that, they didn't want to get caught in behind. And especially against this lot, this lot will be much, much quicker um, on the break. Uh, I mean, like Plymouth the other day, this will be Plymouth on steroids. This will be Plymouth on steroids. <laughs> they'll be, you know, they'll be up for it. Um, they'll press us. And if they get that early goal, it'll, they'll, they'll retract like Plymouth and just try and hit us on the break. Also, JK, you were saying that you like the um, the green kit. Well, you, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's yeah. going to be a green kit tomorrow. But will they play in the green kit, though? 
I think they will. They might, yeah, I'm not sure. And also the, the, the coach has quite a fetching lime green tracksuit that he likes oh, to wow. wear. I like so that. Might, yeah. I have to say, yeah. guys, I'm yeah. getting a bit, I'm, from what you're saying, I'm getting a bit scared. Yeah, yeah. I am. <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, they're a bit good, aren't they? I'm not liking this at all. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nimble, you know, pressing all the time. You know, they'll be better in the conditions. You know, they'll come at us. They they like pressing. And you think, oh, we're not very good when the opposition presses. Oh, we've got some no. divers on the ball as well. Yeah, well, if Alonso plays as badly as he played during the week. I mean, Alonso is so chalk and cheese. He was so good against... Uh, Plymouth when he came on and then uh, the, he was he, it was that terrible moment when he was just left lying on the ground on one occasion wasn't it we all everybody I think every single Chelsea fan together we all went oh god oh. <laughs> that was about 80th minute or something I thought oh guys get got past him so easily but you know that's what you get with him you get either an excellent performance or a or a, well I think we can be sure there's a consistency that when he's pressed by a very speedy player and he's about a quarter of the way up the pitch, he normally gets overtaken. He normally gets passed. So, uh, but he may play, come up with something else. We don't know, do we? Um, we don't. Um, we don't. He might come up with a way of dealing with this. We'll you know? see, won't we? We will. I mean, J.K. makes a good point there. I'm actually shitting myself, Felipe. <laughs> Sh- should I be? Yeah, I think we should be. Oh no, I didn't want you but, to um, say that. <laughs> but um, I think we will. Like. Um, <laughs> We have to focus on the mental side because Brazilian clubs always complain to the referees. They are always complaining to the bar, to the referees. And like um, every goal here in Brazilian football, every player complains. So we, if we don't lose our, our minds, we, got, we can nail it. Like, um, and Palmeiras, maybe if, if we score before, they're going to be desperate because of all the weight of not winning the World Cup again and the final chance and all the stuff we so basically the result would suit the whole of brazil isn't it there's not much pressure on us then is there really yeah and palmeiras are really desperate to win it and i mean that can either work for them or or against them can't it but it it is quite a conundrum um i was i had, I had a question then it's completely gone out of my mind now but never mind um there are 30,000 like diehards out there as well it's not like <laughs> i don't want to the lip like down talk um the Chelsea fans from Qatar, but these are 30,000 Chelsea fans from Brazil. That have, uh, excuse me. These are 30,000 Palmeiras fans from Brazil, diehards that have gone out there to support the team. So there's a big wave of support behind them. Yeah. Um, and we, I don't think we've got that big of a support. There's 1,500 out there. Thousand, yeah. yeah. But I mean, Corinthians took 30,000 to Japan and it was much the same, I think. Mm. Felipe, I know you want to come in, so by all means tell me what you wanted to say, but... um. I, the thought I had was, you know what you said about the fact that the Brazilians have a way of playing, you know, they're going to be into the referee and all of that. I mean, we've got Thiago Silva and Jorginho in that side. They are very aware of what Brazilian football's about. Do you think that will help us? Maybe, but um, having David Luiz and Ramirez and Oscar in 2012 didn't help that much, so I don't know. But maybe it would be different. Like, I think... Cedar Piliqueta said that um, they didn't expect to be like that against Corinthians. But um, nowadays, they know how it will be playing a Brazilian club. And I think Peter Cech always also spoke to the club about the importance of the title that he didn't win. And come on, I think they will take more seriously than against Corinthians because Corinthians was completely mental and Chelsea had to be mental as well. Like, And we will be because... Our team is very competitive, very good at uh, cup games. And 
we're gonna win. We're gonna play well and take it seriously. Like Chelsea is always the underdog. Yeah. Always. Like yeah. um and I think, I think we're, be- we're better uh, when we are, aren't we? Actually, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, our greatest titles are when we were an yeah. underdog. In Brazil, there are many journalists and fans saying, "Look, Chelsea is easy. Is it the best chance of a Brazilian Cup winning the World Cup?" And blah 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 blah. But um, Chelsea always questions the doubters yeah. and show that, that they are wrong. So yeah, good. Okay. You've made me feel a little bit better. Thank you, thank you. All right, boys. I mean, we do this every week on uh, Opposition Views. You both know, because I know you listen to the show. So I'm going to ask you for a predictione. What are you going to go for, Alex? Yeah, I'm going to go for a, a, grit, a gritty 1-0. Uh, Romelu Lukaku. Uh, Romelu of Nazareth goes to the Middle East <laughs> and uh, is reborn as our saviour um, with uh, like a little streaky, streaky little header in the second half. All right, and okay. We I'd, I'd yeah. settle for that. I'd, I'd settle for it coming off his ass in the 90th minute, mate. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, Felipe, what do you what do you reckon, mate? I, w- I was going to say the same thing uh, that Alan said, to be honest. <laughs> but um, maybe a two one. Mm. But um, we we would have to scarf later because they they're gonna open the score line and we're gonna turn around. I mean, maybe I, it's, this is gonna happen. I think what you said earlier on is is, is a really good point. You both said it, actually, I think, didn't you, Alex? I think said it first. But, you know, scoring early, them scoring early would be a disaster because they don't let goals in. They haven't. Lost, I think they've got seven clean sheets or six clean sheets in their last 10 games. They don't let goals in. But neither of these sides let goals in or score many goals. So I don't think there's going to be... It's not going to be a goal fest, that is for sure. So there we go. But let's hope Chelsea do come on the other side of it, eh? They're a very well-organised team. Mm. Yeah, the, co- the coach yeah. is very well thought of here. And they're a team where it's more collective. If you if we played Flamengo, it was a team of like stars, superstars, you know. This is a team that prides itself on being a collective unit, you know. So. Yeah, and to be honest, I wanted Flamengo to win because they had the flair arrogance of Brazilian football. Like they... they lost to Liverpool, but they think they played like um, in the same level as Liverpool. They say, oh, we play like the same level against Liverpool. And they think they are great. You know, they, they have better players, but they are not that organized. So Palmeiras has a point to prove. They are more dangerous because of this. Okay, well, we will see tomorrow. I mean, obviously, we, we definitely want to win it, but I think it's going to be a real tough, tight game. But there you go. Um, Alex and Felipe, I can't tell you how, how delightful it is to have you both on, actually. I mean, Alex, as we've never met you before, and having Felipe back is great as well. But your insight and knowledge has been absolutely riveting. I don't know, John, Jonathan and Dane, I, Dane's just sat there like open-mouthed listening to you for the last half an hour. So I know, I know he's loved it. And JK's got a big grin on his face. So, yeah, it's been brilliant, guys. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. I'm really happy to be here again. Yeah, it's great to see you, mate. And we look forward to seeing you when you come over. You know, get hold of me when you do. And we'll meet up for a beer and a, and a match, yeah? Sure, my friend. Excellent stuff. We'll be there. Alex, how, how long have you been in Brazil for four years? What are you doing out in Brazil? Uh, all sorts. Yeah, I'm all, all sorts. I live out here now. So uh, I will be back this summer. Um, with all the pandemic, it's been difficult to get back. But this summer, I'm coming home. And I uh, will get to the bridge, hopefully, at some point. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll meet up and we'll have a beer. Yeah, definitely. Love yeah. it. Do you like yeah. Brazil? You had a good time out there? Has it been fun? Yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, my miss is South American. So, you know, I'm out here with her. And, uh, yeah, we're making a life here. It's great, mate. Really, really beautiful place. If you fancy a holiday, hit me up. I, I, I tell you, it's a place I would love to go to. My my dad went there on business. I remember this in the 70s. Oh, yeah. And 
I think it changed his life. He came back a different man. I think he discovered Kaiparina <laughs> and samba dances. He was never yeah. he was never the same after that. Yeah, well, I'm from Hastings, so the beach here is a little bit different, you know. I can. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit warmer, that's for sure. Brilliant. A bit, mate, a little bit, yeah. Lovely. Boys, you've been brilliant, absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed having you on. You take care, and let's hope we bring it home tomorrow, eh? Yeah, up the Chelsea. Up the Chelsea. Well done, Chelsea. Bye, Chelsea. Well done, guys. Cheers, guys. Well done. Brilliant stuff. Yes. There you go, Alex, Alex Woodhams and the lovely Felipe uh, Felipe Meyer, but we call him Felipe Vex. I don't know why, but we do. Uh, great to see them both. Great insight. And uh, and now, in a minute, we are going to be talking about our own little preview with about 10% of the knowledge that those boys had, I suspect. But there you go. We'll be back in a minute. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, the Friday night preview show, and I am, of course, Stamford Chidge, and I have with me, as ever, the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> And the equally delightful Mr. Dane Whittle. Oh, yeah, I'd just like to say thank you to Philippe and Alex. I can't understate how much I love watching the opposition view, especially when you're live watching it through Zoom and listening to it. It's uh, it's amazing. It's a great thing you put into these shows. I love it. Great fun, isn't it? Apart from when you can't find anybody like Plymouth last week. <laughs> Useless <laughs> bastards, actually. I'm really glad we beat them now. Anyway, uh, plus the fact that I, I, I asked this journalist, and okay, I had the, I did the dance with him for a while. And I, I didn't really want him on because I wanted a fan on, and he kind of knew that I really didn't want him on. But I, I said he said he'd do it as a last resort, and then he couldn't do it right at the last minute. And then I found out he's on some other fucking podcast. I thought you shithead, mate. Well, I'm glad you went on the other podcast because they're no marks, and we're the Chelsea fancast, so it's your loss, you small Plymouth person. Anyway, wow, yeah, yeah. Was it another another Chelsea fan a podcast or was yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. Of course it was. Uh, there we go. Right. Anyway, I'm going to talk about something far more serious than my bitterness and twisted envy. Um, this is much more important. This is the uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust big Stamford Bridge sleepout, which I promised the lovely Mark Meehan, whose kind of idea it was many years ago. I, would prom- I promised Mark that I would give it a plug on the show again uh, because they're organising another big sleepout at Stamford Bridge. And the date is set for March the 26th, which is a Saturday. Now, the sleepout will be in aid of our neighbours, Stoll, who do such fantastic work for homeless veterans. Uh, to take part in it, you must be over 18 years, years old, pledge to raise at least 50 quid in sponsorship and comply with any COVID restrictions in place at the time. Uh, now, hopefully you'll be joined by a few Chelsea legends, some ex-players on the night. Mark's kind of rallying around to see if he can find uh, find a few. Uh, now, if you can't make it to Stamford Bridge, do not fret because you can actually still take part in it by doing a virtual sleepout, by sleeping out in your garden or your garage or your shed. Uh, I will be sleeping in my garage, which is kind of that's more of a shed, really. So, uh, And I shall be entertaining you beforehand by reading you some tales from the shed with a nice kind of uh, fire pit fire going and a bottle of whiskey and possibly a big cigar like I did last time. So there we go. And JK, you, you've got a star turn as well, haven't you? I'm going to be doing a few fan bites of uh, past matches. Mm. I have to do a bit of research and um, pretend that I've just watched the game. Mm. Oh, you, yeah. you might have to listen to the entire series of 50 Years of Chelsea. Do you reckon? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll set myself up for that then. And you've so, got all the footage. You've got all the footage as well. Do I do? You've got the I research well, I'll only all there. Well, well, it'll probably if it depends on the game, doesn't it? If it's one, if it's a game that is, if it's just the goals, I'll just have to try and remember what I was doing in that period. But you were there, so you were there. It'll all come back. Okay, thank you. There you go. Now, to register and find out how to donate, you just go to chelseasupporterstrust.com forward slash sleepout. There you go. And while you're at it, if you're not a member, go and join up. It's a... it's a really good thing to be part of, as uh, you know, biffing the club a big fat one in the uh, European Super League proved, uh, and they do lots of other good work as well, like the food bank uh, collections and things like that. So it's very worthwhile being a member. Only costs you five quid a year. It's well worth doing it. Sort it out. Oh, and you get a nice, lovely badge too. So there we go. Right uh, on to the Chelsea versus uh, the all new Palmeiras. So that was actually was an Almeiras, wasn't it? The car. I'm thinking of that ad, aren't I? I'm going to call them the all new Palmeiras anyway. What? Jay? Wasn't that an Almira? Yeah. Wasn't that an Almira? It's close. Yeah. It's close. Yeah, yeah. No? Ish. Okay, close-ish. Uh, anyway, uh, what do we always start with? We start with Chidge's fangled uh, team selection. I, I don't know what to do, so I kind of really struggle with this one. But I, this is what I came up with, JK. And what I also came up with was, and I don't quite know why I did it having listened to those two boys now, but I've gone for four at the back, right? Yeah. And I've kind of tentatively gone for three in midfield. I've kind of gone three, four, two, one, actually. I mean, it doesn't really matter because Tuchel changes things anyway. But what I'm, I'll tell you what was in my mind, OK? And actually, this was validated by Felipe and Alex. I don't want to be playing with wing-backs because we don't have any decent ones. There is no point playing Alonso and Aspie as wing-backs or Hudson-Odoi or Pulisic because they are not wing-backs and they are not good enough. And Alonso... It's just too slow. I mean, and now having heard what those boys have said, if we played Alonso and Dave as wingbacks, we will be rinsed by Palmeiras. So I didn't know that at the time. So I'm clearly some sort of a genius by deciding I want to play with four at the back. But I just wanted to put that out there. But anyway, my four are at the back. Well, actually, before we get to that, I've got Mondi in goal, by the way. Oh, God. Yeah, controversial, yeah. yeah. yeah he's, our, he's our number one keeper. Yeah. And he wins trophies. So I put him in as our number one. Uh, but Rudy goes to the left back. Silver Christensen, Aspilicueta. Don't mind Dave being at the right back because uh, he's good at that. And you need his experience on a match like this. He's the only surviving member of the side uh, to have played in the last Club World Cup we were in. Then I've gone uh, Kovacic and Jorginho basically in midfield. But I've kind of stuck Mount in there, really playing as a number eight. You know, because it's worked quite well with him and Ziyech playing on that in, on the right. You know, they play quite well together. And I think when you put Mount in a place where he's got freedom to roam a bit, which he has done when he's played there, it works quite well. And of course, he's got the intelligence and the the football IQ to get back and help out in midfield. And he, and he can tackle, you know. I think that, that might... I, I've always felt that Mount should be playing a bit deeper anyway. I think that's his real role. I see him as a number eight, not a number 10. So I've kind of got a midfield three there. Uh, and I think I, I think we stick with what we've got at the moment. And I think that's what Tuchel's doing. I think Ziyech has to start. He's looked really good, actually, since he's had a run of games. Uh, I think Havertz is a must start because I think he's a super player. Uh, and I've stuck Lukaku up because I just don't see him not, not playing. I mean, that, I think they're basically going to keep playing him until it works. You know, I really do. Uh, at whatever cost, in a sense. So I think we're, we're lumbered with Lukaku up front. Uh, good but, word. Good word to use. Yeah, because he is a he is a lump, isn't he? But uh, but Havertz and Lukaku. I mean, you know, because you could equally you could equally change this system round quite happily to a uh, the more the thing he did the other week, which is the four two two two. So you could have Kovacic and Jorginho. You could have Mount and Ziyech. 
and then you could have Havertz and Lukaku in that kind of shape, knowing that Ziyech and Mount can basically also get back and support. So, But I've kind of gone more for a 4-3-2-1 uh, initially, because I think that would work. Uh, Dane, do you want to have a crack at that one first? JK's looking ruminative, so <laughs> I'm going to let him ruminate for a bit on the madness that is Chidge's team selection, and let you have first dibs at it. I've, I I would like the, uh, as you said, like the 4-2-2-2 or the 4-4-1, whatever way you want to say how we transition into it with or without the ball. One thing about the uh, team selection the other day was screamed out at me when I was looking through the list was pace, lacking pace. And in 10 minutes in, when, when Dave was getting so much space on that right side, I thought, you know, they've got to bring some pace now. You've got to give these players, you know, like Werner and Pulisic a chance because... You know, the high qualities of the game is getting that space in behind the, the back four. And Al Hal Hal was given that space. I thought it'd be a good time to bring them on. Obviously, I'm not a coach and that's why it didn't happen. But I'm I'm going more with, uh, if they're going to press us and we always like to play out the back, then I'm going to have Kepper in goal because he is by far the better goalkeeper at Chelsea with the ball at his feet. And the four at the back I'm having is Dave Silver, Rudiger and Saar. Saar for his pace can play left back. He's done a good job in, in in the Tottenham victories recently. And again, worrying worrying with their pressing, I'm going to have Cover and Kante in midfield with uh, a Ziyech, Mount and either Pulisic or Hudson-Odoi in front of them and Havertz up front. Havertz likes to come deep and hopefully that, that frees up spaces for Ziyech, Mount and Pulisic or Hudson-Odoi. Yeah, Lukaku can go on the bench for me. So let me, wow. just, let me just get that straight. You're going, you're going Kepa, Rudiger, yeah. you, you're playing Silver. You're playing four at the back, right? Yeah, the two centre-backs are Silver and Rudiger with Dave on the right and Star on the left. Right, got you. And then you've got Kovacic and Kante. Yep. And then you've got Mount. Ziyech on the right and either Pulisic or Hudson-Odoi on the left. Maybe Hudson-Odoi because he's, he's got better form. But Pulisic, you know, like Lukaku, keep on giving him those chances because we, we've seen what he can do in a Chelsea shirt more than what Lukaku we've seen. And Havertz up front just because I like the way he roams. And as, you, as we said earlier, he, he comes deep. He... He makes spaces for for, for potentially a Ziyech Mountain, uh, Pulisic, Hudson, Adoy, or a Werner. You know, it's none of them particularly playing great, but we've got to keep on try, trying things. Uh, but you've you've got Kovacic, uh, Kante, Mount, and Ziyech in midfield, basically. Yeah, and either Pulisic, Hudson, Adoy with Havertz as the sort of a false nine. Right. I like the way he roams. I like that from last season. You know, that second half of last season with Havertz up there. Yeah, I, that's nice. I quite like that actually. J.K. What do you reckon? Well, it's very different from your selection, yeah, Chidge. Yeah. I'm also, I, I mean, I'm, I was intrigued that you didn't pick the twins. So, because uh, um, um, I know he only had a half, but uh, and he actually he was a bit off it. Well, he gave the ball away a lot, didn't he, Kante? And I did pick him. He's starting. He's starting with yeah, cover. I, I didn't. I no, didn't. no, no. I'm oh, saying. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. saying I'm, I'm having a go at Chidge here. Yeah, oh, no, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can take the credit for my stupidity anytime you like, Dane. I don't mind. <laughs> but uh, the reason I didn't no, no, pick him no, no the yeah. reason I didn't pick him was because exactly as you said I don't think he looks match fit or on it at the moment I think no, he's good he... he's good to bring on actually. yeah no, in a sense I, I like as well I like this bringing Lukaku on um, and playing Havertz uh, on his own up there and, and allowing then you've got some even um, you've got some quicker players as long as one of them isn't Werner uh, I think it's great providing him with um, <laughs> providing him with uh, with with well, they're not providing him with crosses. He's part of the three up up front. I just think Adoy was so dreadful against um, Plymouth that um, it, 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 whether he still come back into favour. And interestingly, of course, if Tuchel had been playing in the Plymouth game, he'd have he'd have given his his um, 
quivering stick man impersonation on the touchline as he does. He's like a kind of strange kind of of he is he's, he's a tree. He, he bounces up and down. Tuchel. Tree we in did, the wind. We did, yeah. He does. But he, he there's a kind of sort of she shudders as if an enormous blast of wind has got at him. Um, but uh, he he normally gives the door more stick than anybody else. When you were saying about the forwards, Jidge being given a hard time. So I'm not sure whether he'll pick a door in this situation just because he, uh, I, I, he well. Once again, it depends on how they view the opposition. They'll have been analysing the videos. Um, I, I think I think I can only go for it with. I think he'll play the four. I think you're right, and I think he'll play Silver and Rudiger, and and Dave will have to play um, uh, on the right because there's no one else. Um, but um, um, is Christensen still injured? Do we know after the uh, the previous game? Because he. Um, uh, didn't he play in the last one, Christensen? Yeah, he, did. He, played, he played. Did well, I thought actually. He played on the right, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He played on the. Yeah, he played on the right of a three. He played on the right of a three, which yeah. he, he's I very think, good at. That I think. He's very well indeed. Indeed, he seems to be. That seems to be the best position. But um, no, I've been intrigued to see. I think defensively they'll play the usual four. Um, but it is anybody's guess as to who. I think Kovacic had a very good game um, during the week. Um, uh, what I love about Kovacic is the way he. He gets the ball in, in very difficult positions, situations, and you think he's going to lose it. And he surges through and a couple of players mm. are, are attacking him and then has masses of space. It's the final ball occasion. And they were all very sloppy doing that in the game on Wednesday. Um, let's hope that they get rid of the sloppiness and let's hope that, uh, um, I don't know how Tuchel makes them um, be, be be less sloppy. Perhaps it is a mental Shout thing. Shout at them from the touchline. Yeah, well, indeed, perhaps it, indeed, perhaps it is that. Perhaps it's down, down to that. The fact that it'll be there will contribute. I, I but I, yeah, go on. And I can say, I, I'm once again. I, I would. I, I think you know both your selections are 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 very are possible. I mean, the interesting, I mean, I, the interesting thing know, is, you know? but both of us have gone for four at the back and not three. Yeah, and I, and yeah, I think the yeah. interesting thing is, from what the boys were saying and Felipe and Alex were saying a minute ago, is Palmeiras play at three at the back, and quite often people match up. But uh, I mean, I, I just I just don't want to see us play with wing backs that can't that just aren't up to it. It's just yeah, and, fucking and stupid. Honest, neither Dave nor nor um, no. uh, Marcus are, are really can do that anymore. And if if Palmeiras are as pacey, I mean, you know, I think he made they made a good point that in a sense yeah. the way they play up front with those three, it's very much like Liverpool play. Although of course Liverpool play four at the back, but you know they they play with three forwards who are very nippy and will press us and will harass us into mistakes. And that, players like that will rinse Alonso and Aspilicueta if they're playing as wing backs, and that worries me. You know, so I mean the one other thing I would say is you have got to play Silva and you've got to play Jorginho because they will be bang up for this because they're Brazilian. And the other thing, even though I didn't pick him, I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, Conte always turns up. When, when it's a final, doesn't he, for us? I mean, the yeah. Europa Cup final, you know, people forget. They all think it was about Hazard, but Kante was the man of the match. Yeah, the Champions brilliant. League final, again, he was brilliant. He always turns up in the big matches. It's really, it's a, it's hard to leave him out knowing that, you know? If you put him in the two, then you're going to have to drop Kovacic. Exactly. Or Jorginho. I worry about Jorginho. Yeah, but I, mean, it, it, I, I would start Jorginho because he's, because he's basically Brazilian, and I think he'll be bang mm -hmm. up for it. It is hard, you know, that's a good point you make, but having viewed, watched Jorginho now for a few seasons, if a team's pressing and pressurising them, then he does fold and he will do his little trick where he tries to, you know... Pull them uh, back. On free kicks, fall over. He did it a couple of times against Al Hill Howe. And uh, going back to I'm so surprised he went for it at the back against them. I can't see what a scout would have seen 
to have suggested, uh, you know, go free at the back against them because, you know, successfully four at the back recently, we've looked quite good at, you know, it's just been the, the age old concern of this season of, 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 of the chances and, and the goal scoring, but yeah, Jorginho getting pressed and yeah, it's a hard one, but I, I think dropping Lukaku would be a very big call. I just think he, as you say, Chidji seems to be just trying to give him as many games as possible so that it works. But uh, I personally agree with you. I think he should play, play, Havertz up there with, um, I agree with you, Dane, and, and not play uh, Lukaku at all. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he'll play Lukaku. He will. Well, we'll all find out tomorrow at about half past three, won't we? Because he kicks off at half four. I mean, you know, we mentioned Tuchel, didn't we, a minute ago and barking from the sidelines. I mean, I, I really do, picking up from what we were saying in part one with Liam, I really do think, JK, it's it'll give them a massive lift having him out there it's it gave me a massive lift in fact it gave me a bit of a boner when i heard the news this afternoon so you know i'm sure i'm sure it's going to give the team a bit of a lift knowing that the gaffer's there do you think oh, i hope so i think I was, <laughs> I was i was scared by that i was scared by that by the opposition view it neither of them are opposition and yet I'm, I, I'm still scared by what they said about them and i looked at this unsmiling list of of rather look, looking like rather talented players and i thought oh Blimey! I think we're let's let's we've got to be up for this. We've got to be top form. They they will have worked something out. Tuchel will be work, will have watched them in a lot of times. They'll have worked out a, a way of playing against them. They must have done. Dane, yeah, I'm 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 really glad he's there. We've had we've had two uh, average performances, and and like like J.K. said, you know, you miss him like standing on the side like a you know a, a really thin tree like waving in the wind and waving his <laughs> arms and down and it's usually yeah Hudson Adoy or sometimes when Werner plays he gets a, an earful and yeah I'm hoping they, they come up with they've come up with a plan and yeah when when we saw I don't know who someone I follow on, on Twitter I think I've forgotten the name sorry and yeah she, she I think she posted the picture with him at the airport and I was uh yeah really happy he was there Frankie, was Frankie. yeah yeah and uh now yeah, you I'll... get out <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was happy yeah I, I was really happy he deserves to be there and you can just imagine like us he watched that the semi-final quite frustrated and probably was uh ringing his coach's phone having a right go at them and trying to get his message across and uh i'm glad he's there yeah. i'm glad he's there. i wouldn't have been quite i mean you know if i was on the on the bench that night or on the, in the dugout i would have i would have loved to have like dropped the call just for shits and giggles to see what would happen you know <laughs> he must have been raging, Tuchel. I mean, because I mean, I've often said how much I hate watching football at home on the TV. I get far more mm. crabby. Yeah, no, yeah, like you. When, when, even if it's a bad result or, or a defeat, I seem to let it go quicker by going to the mm. game at home. It just stays with me for the whole night. Yeah, exactly that. But, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I just something occurred to me actually, then, boys, which, which, which I hope is true, but. You know, Chelsea, I would imagine, will have known or would have presumed that they would be playing Palmeiras in this match for a long, long, long time. And if they're half as good as we're told that they are as coaches and all of that, surely, surely to God they would have been doing their homework early doors on this lot because they would have known they were going to be playing them. Um, and as you say, Dane, you know, hopefully Tommy T has come up with some sort of a master. I mean, you know, he's done it before. He came up with a master plan against City. You know, several yeah. times last season. Uh, so let's hope. Uh, let's hope. You can that's count on one done. hand, can't you, Chid? You can count on one hand the amount of times he's got it wrong in in, in a year. Yeah. Uh, tactically, I think. Yeah, Leicester. I wouldn't 
say was i don't think he got that wrong they got lucky i would say you know so uh yeah exactly that so let's hope that's the case i think the really intriguing thing is is really you know knowing that we we that he set up i mean this is the interesting point given what we've all said on our team selections but you know he basically he set up that 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 team to play with three at the back ostensibly to negate the fact that we were so vulnerable on the counter-attack if you remember we were leaking goals all over the place under franks we kept on getting caught at the back didn't we so that's really why he introduced three in the back. So it's a bit bold of uh, coaches uh, with all with all Dane and my UEFA A coaching badges not to have gone for a back four. So I I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tuchel start with a back three tomorrow. But it'll, it'll be Alonso. Yeah, and, Alonso uh, and Dave as wing backs. And, and Dave and Kepper and Kepper. And I'll yeah. be losing my shit, and they'll do brilliantly, and we'll win. And I'll look like yeah. a mug. Yeah, there's always that possibility with Alonso. That's the trouble, isn't it? If he if he if he's to protected protected by Rudiger and they don't attack that much down that flank and yeah. he spends most of the time in the in the the final third of the pitch he then just shows great skills and great great crossing and great shooting ability that's yeah. that those are his strengths that might be the case yeah it might well be well there you go um right boys stick your money where your mouth is dane uh 2-1 uh we fairly comfortable 2-1 bell have a spell and score and uh but i think 2-1 in okay. the end okay i bloody hope so um <laughs> jk um 1-1 one, one. And we'll win on penalties. Oh, God help us. Let's hope Kepper's in goal then. <laughs> yes. Or or it'll be um one one with Mendy in goal, then he'll Mondi in goal, and he'll bring Kepper on for the last uh, for the penalties. I, I, I will I will have be, I have I will have suffered another eight. I mean I cannot I cannot begin to tell you how stressful it was watching oh, Chelsea Chelsea TV, a combination of Chelsea TV and Flash score sitting in my car on uh, on Wednesday evening trying to follow this bloody game it was just it was just all excruciating uh i i cannot go through that again i mean having said that i'm going to go for a one nil which will be exactly that excruciating us scoring early probably and then trying to cling on for fucking 60 minutes just to drive me up the swanny i don't know uh, I, I tell you what all i really care about i mean i know i said this in the article that i put out this week i don't know if you if anybody read it but uh I'm, I, this is really massive for me. I, I so want us to win this this competition. You know, it's it's hugely important to win this because, you know, we will have won it all if 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 we win this. And it's just just brilliant to be able to say that. You know, there are only three two English clubs that have won it, which is Liverpool and Man United. I want us to be the third. You can shit on Arsenal and everybody else forever and a day afterwards because of that. You know, it's massive to win this. It really, really is for me anyway. Having grown up watching, you know, the likes of Liverpool and, and, and so on competing in it. And us, I mean, in those days, I never thought we'd get to another FA Cup final. So, you mm. know, this is massive. It really is a must win. And having been, I, I mean, I cannot tell you, well, I'm sure the boys will agree with this, but I cannot tell you how gutted I was when we lost to Corinthians in 2012, which I put down singly to Benitez being a cock, <laughs> you know. I, that that was, I mean, I mean, I didn't want him here anyway, but after he threw up what I thought genuinely was the only chance in my life and i'd see us to have a crack at winning this cup i thought that you son of a bitch you've blown it you know i took it really personally so we've got a chance to redeem that 12 2012 loss and i i so hope they turn up tomorrow and do it i really really do i should be doing the team talk really shouldn't i there you go um gents as always an absolute an absolute delight to spend a friday evening with you talking about football i i, I do so enjoy doing this but uh, dane lovely to see you my friend yeah, likewise. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, I really enjoyed this evening. I like the Friday night, so you can relax, you can have a beer and have a good chat. Yeah, and they finish a lot sooner than the Monday show. 
<laughs> I hasten to add. Great to see you, Dane. JK, you're looking very sage-like there. Yes, yes. I, I, I'm you're worried, aren't you? I mean, we've put I'm the really fear of God into you, haven't we? I have. You've got, the whole thing has got at me completely. Yeah. I am. I'm just thinking, oh, God, this is going to be if, particularly if we play as badly as we've been playing, regardless of, you know, I, I thought Liam early on was great and his article was great about, you know, our ability to to control games. But it, this this inability to put the ball in the net or even create decent chances is just completely doing my head in. You know, they've got such good players, Chelsea, and uh, and you get it sort of fits and starts and... Well, Zayek now, unfortunately, through having scored that wonder goal, you think you expect him to score a wonder goal every single time he gets the ball. So they, they're creating rods for their own backs. It's just... Uh, it's his balls uh, into the box, JK. It's either the penalty spot or the far post. And yeah, the players yeah, still yeah, seem, yeah. seem to get it. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And nobody makes runs in. But anyway, yeah, it's just... Anyway, so I'm, I, I, will, I will be observing... Uh, um, much the way that I think I watched the uh, the Champions League final. I will be whatever happens, happens. You just think, what will we play well enough? Um, can we can we make them not play? Can we um, can we stop them from playing? Which we seem to be very good at doing. Um, so, uh, and as you say, Kante seems to uh, raise his game, but according to Chid, he hasn't been picked, so he won't be able to. So bl- blame me if it goes wrong, as I'm sure please, you please will. I kind of miss the JK of the 6-0 predictions every week, really. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think that'll be... Um, uh, and if, it, if it happened, of course, I'd be kicking myself. I'd say, oh, why didn't I see that coming? You, you'll claim you said it, mate. I, I'm sure you will. <laughs> oh, I know. I said it, Chidge. I said it. You just you edited out. You'll, you'll 6-0, Chidge. It won't be. <laughs> it won't be, I fear, exactly that. Anyway, look, JK and I will be back on... Oh, yes, newsflash. JK and I will be back on Sunday... Sunday evening, yes, Sunday evening, not Monday, because it's Valentine's Day on Monday night, and I'm feeling lucky, so that's all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we'll be back on Sunday evening for the main Chelsea Fancast show with Dan Silver. Dan Sills will be back, which is always great fun. 7pm we'll be back on Sunday for that. Obviously looking back at the uh, the match against uh, Palmeiras in the Club World Cup final. So there you go. Join us then. Uh, have a good weekend. Enjoy the match tomorrow. Thanks for listening. See you next Sunday. And until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.